buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. Hey, before we start today's episode, I wanted to bring you in on the best kept secret in B2B sales. If you're serious about social selling and your only strategy is cold DMs through LinkedIn, you're missing the mark big time. Learn how a fully managed revenue generating podcast can change your life and your pipeline at salescast.co. All right. Welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. Very excited today. I've got Josh Ruff on. He is the, he is over at Beekeeper as the principal sales enablement trainer. And a little bit about Josh. His his sales journey is about breaking the mold, building clarity, and serving others. So I know that this is going to be a fantastic episode. We've got an interesting topic to dive into. But to kick things off, Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Colin. Uh, I'm seeing the guest list, and I'm just a little confused that you found me and got me on here. So great folks and, and great episodes, but uh, <laughs> love it. Yeah. Yes, I'm still a little confused why I'm here sometimes, too. <laughs> but uh, no, let's, let's dive into it. Uh, I'm curious, you know, what, what got the conversation started? I know you reached out to me. I'd love to talk a little bit more. What, what was on your mind, man? Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think I saw maybe a piece of content you put out and I was like, I'd love to get Josh on the show. Um, so sort of, you know, followed your, your stuff on LinkedIn there. And but before we get into the topic that I know you love talking about, just give us your sales story, a little bit of background. Uh, where do things all kick off for you? I'm like most people in sales. I never thought I'd be in sales. That's, I think, surprise, surprise. <laughs> you have such a unique sales story. <laughs> exactly. It's unique, just like everybody else's same story. But in yeah. all seriousness, I was going to be a teacher. Ton of correlation there. Needed to make money instead. Um, no mm. knock to teachers. They do God's work. But, you know, it's, let's be real. Um, if you're looking to be paid SaaS, I hear it does a little bit better than that. So yeah. what I did is I went through sales and I, I went the old school way. I mean, I've been on phones, literally cold calling things like, you know, phones back before you had cell phones, folks, we had long distance and things like that. That dates things a little bit, but I've gone through all of that grind, boiler room up, landed in uh, an insurance role where we were doing more of an outbound motion through a website, you know, kind of an SDR AE type handoff before I knew to call it SaaS. And then pivot fast forward after doing that for a long time, I've made the leap and bridge over to SaaS. Um, that was through pre-hired where I, you were working with 50 to 75 people from all walks of life who were bridging into the SDR role. Mm. Um, what I loved about that is it was about finding diverse talent. 
most people in SAS are, are not as diverse as I'd like to see it. So we were able to take military veterans, stay-at-home moms, people from all walks of life, and just help them figure out what they can unlock, mm. help them short-circuit that journey that took me forever to figure out. Um, fast forward to today, two and a half years into that, I was able to land an opportunity with a company called Beekeeper. And really, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm happy as a big in mud. What I get to do is work with sales reps, SDRs, AEs, North American EMEA, help them skill and level up, but also able to help develop processes so their day doesn't suck. Mm. And you nod. I see you nodding because you're like, I've been in plenty of roles where our process was painful and we got handed things. Yeah. I'm trying to build that ground up feedback and be able to build systems and processes that are clear and work and then also communicate with all the different parts. So, I mean, I get to do everything I love. It really mm. is amazing. So how many people are on your team that you're heading that up for? Yeah, right now we're, we're working about just under 20 reps um, at this point across BDR, AE, North American, EMEA. It's around that target. And that also means I get to work with the managers as well and help them up level too. Got it. Very cool. All right. So tell me about some of the early days of your, your sales career. So boiler room, you know, making calls. Um, what is it? What did you learn early on in sales that still, you know, rings true for you? Yeah, the two things I would pick out. One would be KPIs. I didn't know to call it KPIs, but making the dials, being present is a sales ability. Yeah. In other words, I, I told you this when we just were jumping on here. Today was one of those grinder days where nothing quite clicks right and you're just still going through it and you're still making things happen. Those days are there, but then there's days where you show up and you're like, every call, someone's like, wow, I was just waiting for you to call me. And this sounds so great and so helpful. Yeah. I know we laugh, but that kind of does happen some days. You feel yeah. like it. You're on top of the world. But the problem is if you miss a few days here and there, and I'm not saying yeah. hustle culture, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if you can consistently be performing, consistently hit your KPIs and hit your numbers, be present, make work a priority in your life, have other priorities too. Again, saying that clearly, that you, you find that you hit, you know, you never know when you're gonna miss that Midas touch day. First, when you miss that grinder, show up for all of them if you can. Yeah. So that was the first piece. It's, so, it's so interesting one, how oh. you um, <laughs> you got to sort of, uh, uh, when you talk about KPIs and it could be a sensitive topic these days, right? Like it's not like kumbaya and you just, you know, got to show up and, you know, not do anything. Like we still have a job. Yeah. We shouldn't be working nights and weekends and dedicating everything that we do to our sales career and tying our self-worth to our number and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, like it's still sales. It's a performance driven role. Um, and so, but you know, I think there's, there's people that are on kind of opposite sides of the spectrum of what that really means. Yeah. And the other point to that I was going to pivot to is really also learn to get told no a lot. You just go through enough reps, you yeah. go through enough of this, and you realize you're still breathing. You still go home. It, you know, you and I both have kids. You go home, you hug your kids. That's the best, you know, rejection serum. I've, if you want to call it there, you're like, hey, at least they mostly hug me most of the time. I do have a teenager, so that's I get I get some objection handling at home in as well. But yeah, you know, that's another story. Yeah, yeah. I always question my sales abilities when dealing dealing with my children and negotiating <laughs> around Welcome bedtime and vegetables and you know all the fun stuff. That's you know <laughs> it's a lose lose most of the time. <laughs> Your kids are toddler age, and there's there's no winning. There's no playbook for that. I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. I I, I stay in my lane. I can help sales reps crush numbers. I can help them hit activities. Two year olds, even I don't got it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, kind of anyway. going back to what you said, right, is 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 some days, you know, you feel like everything you touch goes well, every call you have is going good. And and then some days it's just not there. 
And that's one of the hardest things that I find in sales is like, you can absolutely do everything right and still lose. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's really hard for sellers not to make that about them. And it has nothing to do with you. I would reframe the word lose. That's where I'd back up one half step, mm. call on it, reframe the word lose. Because yeah. for example, if you find someone and they love it, but the timing's not there or their board's not behind them, or the product just doesn't line up with really what they're trying to accomplish, you've gained clarity, you haven't really lost. What you have to realize is if you've got a great product and a great team and a great company behind you, you're going to win 75% of the time, 80% of the time, maybe you're never going to win 100% of the time. So you're going to find those ones where it's not the right time. You're going to build great relationships. They're going to go to a new company. And this has happened many of times. Hey, Colin, can't wait to get back to you. I'm at a company now and they totally get it. I yeah. love where I'm at. We can't wait to work with you. Yeah, yeah. That's and I think, I think it's hard for a lot of sales reps to look at that long-term big picture, right? Like, you know, I, I, so often, you know, uh, sellers can get really pissy when they don't get their way, right? Maybe kind of like a two-year-old and throw a bit of a tantrum, <laughs> right? I don't know and, what that's like. Yeah. And your whole energy and way that you interact with that person change and shifts because, you know, you already planned how you're going to spend the commission check and the deal didn't close. Right. And you got to be in it for the long haul. Right. And, and, and exactly what you said is a couple of things. Like I always tell people that I work with, like the goal is to give the other person a good damn experience, regardless of the outcome. Right. Whether they, whether you win, whether you win the deal, lose the deal, win the deal. And for some reason they then churn because churn happens. Right. And sometimes it could be nothing to do with you, but the the goal is to make sure they have a good experience for that exact reason that you said, right. They might leave, go somewhere else. And then you're the first person they call or better yet, just because you don't win their business doesn't mean that they don't know other people that could potentially use your product or your service. And they're only going to send you referrals. One, if you ask for them, which most people don't. And two, if they had a good experience. And critical that good experience. I'm going to layer one more thing on that. Make it simple. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that I see reps making is they have to sound super salesy. They have to be super expert. They have to be 10th degree of everything they do. What actually most customers who I've talked to who really have great conversations with them, they go, hey, you laid it out really simple. You helped yep. us figure out, do we or don't we need it? And it made sense to me. My favorite thing to have at the end of any sales conversation is, no, it's really clear. No, I really think I really understand what you're talking about. That's a great moment because you're like, great. Whether we work together or not, you at least understand what we might do for you, how this might work, where we're going to go from here, everything. No one's left wondering what you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's yeah. a healthy, healthy, happy place to feel because then win or lose, You've done your job. Yeah. What? Why is it? Do you think that reps think they need to overcomplicate things? One word: insecurity. Mm. They're nervous. They don't know if they're going to really be able to win. They're worried about their bills. They're worried about the outcome. They're worried about the competitor's product that gets in their head. Hey, well, they have this bells and whistles, or they have this. Do you know who the people are? Do you trust the people in the foxhole with you? The product team. Do you know them at all? Have you talked to things? Do you really believe you're helping people? Is your tool something that makes someone's life better? If you believe in those things, and I know it seems like drink the Kool-Aid type of comment again, but to a degree, there has to be some belief in that you are really generating an outcome that's going to help others. The example I'll give you this. If you see someone about to trip on their shoelaces into the street, do you hesitate to grab them? 
No, you reach out. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna get past awkward norms. I'm not gonna care, you know, about anything else. But I'm gonna try and help somebody. It depends. It depends on the person, though, right? Uh, I'm sure you've heard the analogy right. of you know somebody's zippers down, right? There's so many people that you know would have would rather have you know avoid the uncomfortable situation of saying, hey, Josh, your, your flies down, than you know actually just be helpful. It's a fair point. I think it depends on, I guess, the degree of it. But you have to believe you're more towards, I guess, the bus incident than the zipper incident. That helps a little bit. You yeah. see that your Bible. I mean, I know you and I talk about this, but we just talked about a case study where a company saved about two hundred fifty thousand in revenue in six months hiring people yeah. at Beekeeper. Like that's sizable money. That's that's a chunk of cash that somebody's going to miss. And that's that feels like more than a zipper to me, maybe. Yeah. And so I'm reaching out to companies. I'm like, do you realize this isn't just your zippers down? This is like, you're not wearing pants, man. Your pants are down and you forgot your boxers. Yeah. 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 But that should inspire you to really want to make a difference and help and and find ways to be curious. I'm always curious, that puzzle box mentality. So I think it comes back to that when you're looking to outreach people. That drives you through those grinder days, by the way, that why, what are you doing behind this? I I know you and I have kids. I said, going home and hugging them. Pick yourself up. But the last thing I'll say is don't identify uh, the best people, whether it's art, sports, sales, they identify with their successes, but not with their failures. Mm. What I mean by that is they walk back in the next day and they say, that guy the other day, I look at that chorus recording. What was he doing? That's not me. I'm not that guy. I'm better than that. Yeah. And when they see something go well, they actually own their success. They say, hey, wait, yeah, I did do that. Yeah, I can do this. That deal that closed, I figured out exactly the pain point, the right levers to pitch. I found all the right people to buy into. We built out a process. They're thrilled. We're making money. I did that. And that's an important piece right there that I think a lot of sellers are missing is owning their success, right? Because they're like, okay, that one's done. What's next? Right. And forget to, you know, pat yourself on the back a little bit and celebrate and then go get another one. Right. And even I personally struggle with that sometimes. Right. Hey, got to the, you know, got to the uh, goalpost. Now let's move it another, you know, 20 yards. <laughs> get to the I'm next the one. With my own goalpost. I appreciate that. Uh, I feel you, Colin. But I was going to say it drives back to insecurity because if you're identifying with your successes, that can keep that, you know, sense of not belonging, you know, that imposter syndrome that so many of us fight against and push against. No, I am. I am that person. I can be that. We're all humans. Yeah. It helps stamp that down. And it also keeps you getting into that negative spiral of being down on yourself and going down, which I've seen so many reps fall into. It becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy of doom, which nobody wants. Yeah. And then talk to me a little bit about the failures, right? So we're talking about owning the success. Well, what about the grinder days? You know, <laughs> you just, you look for wins. You look and say, Hey, you know what? I showed up. Hey, you know what? And it's usually in our heads. We think we're maybe at a level of a three that day. We're like, and most people, if you ask them, hey, how was I doing the other day? What? Something's off? You're off? We often will be like, oh, my gosh, that call, I sound like such a goober. What did I just do? And it's fine. They book the next meeting. They get back to you. Or if you really did flub something up, you know, I've done this with a lot of people. Hey, I'll write an email. Hey, I was up last night and in my head, I could not sleep because I did not ask this relevant question that I really needed. Hope it doesn't sound dumb, so-and-so, but like, I can't go to the next step without knowing and nailing this down. Can you just let me know what I miss? Mm. I love, I love the way that you like that teed that up because so many people can relate to that, right? 
Like to them, it's probably no big deal. This silly little question that you're asking, right? And they're like, oh man, I've totally been there. Let me, let me help them out. Right. I mean, so many people understand that and it's just being a freaking human. (laughs) Like you don't have to be all buttoned up and perfect, you know, in sales, just be yourself and be real. There's a universal truth behind that too. And we can get into the psychology of it some other time, but it's, and it's not manipulative, but when you're humbling yourselves, people try to pick you up. And when you show up arrogant, people tend to push you down. Mm. And so if you leverage that and use that, I mean, not in a manipulative way, but it's really just saying, hey, you know what? I'll be vulnerable a little bit. I'll be real with you. Yeah. You know what? Hey. And, and so how's it going? Yeah, it's going great. Or I could say, hey, earlier I said, you know what? Actually today I felt like I was just kicking myself in the shins half the time. I've been there. We've all been there. And you go, yeah, that's great. We'll figure this out. What can we learn from it was your words, I think, which I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of a way to reframe it, right? Is don't look at them as losses or failures. They're more, they're opportunities, opportunities to grow, opportunities to learn opportunities to be like, Hey, actually it wasn't that bad. You know, I was just being hard on myself. You know, and we had a role play call earlier day with the team. We're working with them, practicing them. And I was just doing some of the winning by design work that we're doing right now. And I, last minute I'm like, here, I'll jump on one. I, I start stumbling over things and then I'm in my head. I'm like, Oh, great. I'm supposed to be the genius expert, which I'm not, but you know, I'm supposed to be the one doing this. And now I'm stumbling. I was like, well, Hey, look, everyone real human here. We all have moments like that where you're like, what just happened? I can knock that out of the park nine times out of 10 and 900 batting average is fantastic. So I can get obsessed about the one time out of 10, or I can go back and remind myself of the nine times of 10, who I really am. Killing the insecurity, cutting out the imposter syndrome and just owning that you can do this. Yeah. So let's, let's transition a bit. You know, you've done a lot of work of, you know, helping SDRs and BDRs, you know, sort of break into SAS, um, from diverse backgrounds and things like that. And, um, you've done a lot of work with them. So I'm just curious, you know, sort of what you've seen and let's kind of dig in and and into that a little bit. I think the biggest piece of that is that people belong in, you know, diverse talent belongs in SAS. You take people who are military veterans, you take, you know, again, people from all backs, walks like, let's say women, women kick butt, they get quota at a better rate than men. That is a fact. That's not a, an opinion. That's not me trying to, you know, go out on a limb. The reality is that how do we enable and support those people to really thrive and belong? Creating that's not just mm-hmm. buzzwordy and it's not just for a specific week or a month. It needs to be an ongoing cycle of making sure they can step in because what often happens, I see this, people from diverse backgrounds step in and the message they often get is, Act like all of the non-diverse talent fit into this mold, fit in this pattern. Mm. And that's crushing because really we need more creativity. We need more more diverse thought in this industry. Be creative. Hey, I tried this. What about that? Why haven't we looked at this? Everyone, I think, has their own sales superpower, Colin. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm curious. I love asking this of everyone. What would you say is your sales superpower? Oh, dude, I love the challenging deals. (laughs) I like a challenge. I mean, I've... I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm really a salesperson at heart. Um, I've founded four companies now um, because I like to just build something from nothing. And I like the challenging deals where it's like not the typical mold of just like really complex, like how do we get this to make sense and work? And um, that that's what I love most. And, and I just really genuinely love building relationships with folks, honestly. So why would I try and make you do a sales deal like anybody else? I mean, I know there are certain structures and patterns you need, but I'm going to work with Colin. He's a builder. He's Sisyphus looking at the boulder saying, I'm going to push this up the hill one more time. I know how to get to the top of the mountain and then go back and try again. 
I'm not scared of that journey and that battle. I'm going to work with that. I'm going to build with that. So yeah. those are things that when you talk about, but everyone else is going to bring something unique to the table. I've got a dad vibe. I'm going to rock that. I'm going to be myself. That's what's powerful. Faking it wears you out, burns you out. And it's really not effective, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Or else, I mean, for me, like if it's, if there's no challenge, I get bored. Right. And nobody mm. does their best work when they're bored. And I see this with outreach too. People will try and be like somebody else to get outreach. I'm like, mm. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to run. I cannot run. We're not going to try athletes together. I do love that you love books and you like this author. We can talk about this. I'll tell you who I am. I'll tell you who I'm not. And people aren't just looking for mimics and clones. They're looking for other real humans. Yeah. To engage yeah. with. Be in conversation. Just like this chat. I'm having a great time getting to know Colin. Colin's, this is real. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I think it, it, to kind of bring that back to something you mentioned, right. Is so people try to show up as somebody else in their outreach and what you mentioned earlier, which is so true. And I think it's an important point to just bring up again is it's exhausting trying to be somebody else. It's hard work. You know, it's so much easier when you can just be like, Hey, I can actually just, and, and you know what, showing up as you are, who you are as your authentic self, you're not going to be the right fit for everyone. And that's okay. You don't need to be. Way to read my mind, Colin. Impressive. Uh, telepathy came right through there. I was just thinking, you're not for everyone. And that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, the next thing that I, I really wanted to talk about is you, you, you brought up before we started recording, right? It was, you know, a uh, topic that we could, we could riff on. And it had something to do with, you know, how sort of the SDR BDRs are, are viewed and um, treated, I guess, suppose. So I'd love to touch on that and, and get your thoughts. Yeah, I think we connected over my post where I said every job is a sales job. And I think that what that means to me is at the end of the day, if you're a CEO, you're still trying to buy buy-in from your reps. You're still trying to follow the sales process. In sales enablement, when I was going through my career search, all of the things I've done, I'm just doing the same discovery. I'm doing the same demo. I'm doing the same approach. I'm taking notes. I'm, a, I'm repeating, mirroring. Everything you do is a BDR, SDR. Same thing I'm doing in my role now. There's no difference. So what I would say when you kind of come back to, you know, what does that look like? What am I passionate about? It's SDRs being elevated. In other words, they're not just a subservient role to AEs. I want to see them get the credit they deserve and also be then enabled to grow their career. Um, what I mean by that, Sam Nelson, I think ran a poll, said, hey, um, over at Outreach, he goes, what percent of your best AEs were your BDRs first? 90% of their people put their hand up and said, oh, yeah. And when I bring this up with every sales leader I talk to, you're smiling. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. Every sales leader I talk to goes, oh, yeah, they're so-and-so and they're so-and-so and they're so – they can start just naming people who've made that pivot and been rock stars. Yeah. But then when you say, hey, let's take the data and I ran a poll on this, hey, do BDRs and SDRs get the training they need to make that leap at your company? 25%. Yeah, kind of. Hmm. So what, what's this big gap? What that means is that teams are just too overwhelmed to really do it well. And so SDRs are trying to try and figure out that next step, jump to another company and hope they're ready, fail, come back to being an SDR, get out of SaaS entirely because they're burned. Mm. We just need a bridge there. We need someone who's doing that. I'm, I'm fortunate that the company I'm working at, Beekeeper, is invested in having me. They brought in a Josh. Anyone can step into this role if they're focused on that growth, know that journey, help build that skill set for the next level and help walk them through that. Most companies are just, I think, late to the game in figuring this out, which is painful with COVID, with yeah. remote work. 
becoming the norm. People are isolated. They don't have this coaching. They don't have this helping. I think we're, if you didn't care about people at your company, just set this aside. Okay, Colin. Yeah. You did not care about people at your company, how they lived, how healthy they were, how they worked. If you only cared about cold, hard cash, you would figure this out. Because if you take that 25%, move that up to 50 or 75%, make it to AE. We've already said these are your best talent. These are the best people that you're finding. And yeah. making that bridge, you'd find a way to fix that delta. Mm. But if you also happen to care about the people you're trying to bring in, building a healthy culture from the ground up and a diverse team, well, that also fits as well. So it's a good argument if you're a good person or even if you're not a great person. <laughs> both faces. I like to be thorough. It works but. both ways, right? So, and, and so what you're talking about is really just investing in these individuals to level up, right? And not just because majority of the training and, 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 and resources and things that they get, which are what you're saying is pretty limited anyway, is around just them being better at that current role. Like, hey, here's how to do better emails and master the cold call and, you know, uh, qualify deals better or whatever the case is. There's not a lot of resources of like, hey, here's the next step for you and let's invest in you as the person and, you know, see what's next for you. And there's also the big assumption that like every SDR wants to become an AE and that's not necessarily true. I think it's healthy to see them become CS reps, to become, you know, account managers, to become other, you know, this is a great way to test talent, bring it into your company and grow it. It doesn't have to be the AE path, but a lot of people don't even know what that path looks like. But I think the other pervasive problem in SaaS, I'm going to call it out right now, is a lot of companies just expect their employees to figure it out on their own. Hey, Colin, love that you're working hard for my team. You're working in your 40, 50 hours a week. You're crushing it. You're getting your KPIs in. You're getting your numbers. Now go spend extra time on your own. Go spend your, maybe I'll give you a small Udemy budget. I'll give you a little bit of something. You're going to be required to go figure out where to get better and how to get yourself promoted. That's on you. They don't say it that way, but they don't not say it that way. And that's, that's what's disappointing. I want to call that out. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's something that I think people need to hear and sort of wake up to that you know, um, we could be doing more. We could do, be doing a better job of investing in our people and, you know, not just treating them as another person that, you know, drives revenue for the company. To be fair too, though, I'm not going to blame frontline leaders. SDR managers tend not to be the ones at fault because what happens is, Colin, you're an SDR manager. I'm going to give you nine, 12 reps to manage. Yeah. Make sure you're investing in all of them adequately, getting them good 1v1s, helping them level up in their career and make sure they're healthy in their life. How's Colin feeling right now? A little overwhelmed. <laughs> That's not happening. You've also yeah. got to be at these meetings. You have to run this objectives. You got to write this sequencing. And I need you to do take care of this as well. And Colin's going, I can't do it all. So and what's the first thing that doesn't get done? Bingo. So and so when I say that, it's falling to the reps to get the help because just they don't get the bandwidth and support. And a lot of that comes from the top top down leadership. I'm gonna pitch you know that call out at probably above that level, just to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Josh, it's been fun having you on. This was uh, this was a bit of a blast and really enjoyed these topics. Um, any final thoughts? Where can people connect with you? Do connect with me on LinkedIn. I love having conversations. One bonus ad I'm going to throw in for your listeners, find a micro community. Don't make it your team at work. Work can be quote unquote family. I don't love that term. Honestly, I want to kill it with fire a lot of times. Love the people you work with. Trust them. They're not your family necessarily. That brings a lot of connotation, but find people like Colin that you have a network with that you get to know that are outside of that sphere. So if you ever change jobs or change companies, you don't lose your whole network. 
Um, so find that. So I'm happy to be part of your community. Dial me up on LinkedIn. Say, hey, Josh, what's up? You ever have a question, ping it off of me. I love conversations. Um, so I'm there on LinkedIn. Um, you can also find me on the Beekeeper team. If you're looking, by the way, we're looking for AEs, AMs. And uh, we're, you know, if you want someone to work with you, hey, let me know. We're trying to build that kind of culture here. So I'm gonna throw out that free plug. Um, but get the conversation started, find your people. And if I'm not the right people for you, I'm okay with that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Thanks again. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And we're also listening for your feedback. You can go to salestransformation.fm, drop us a voice DM, and we will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.